Well, it is so much fun to wrap up our series today together. Um, we're in this series by design. Maybe you'll remember a few weeks ago, you got a little brick, which was we are builders. God designed us to be builders. And we we're praying about different ways that God has gifted all of us to do different things. Next week, we had little cool little packets of, of seeds. Any of you plant those seeds? How they doing? Okay, great, like three of you. That was a good investment of resources. No, glad you had those. It's a great reminder. Some of you, you may have it still sitting uh, by your mirror because you're reminding yourself to beautify everything around you. And then last week, we talked about how we are designed to be blessed, to be a blessing. This week, we're talking about the theme of, of how we are designed by God to be with him. I'm so thankful that our Heavenly Father is a relational Heavenly Father. That He is someone who wants to be connected with us. It's not about just a list of rules, but it is about relationship. See, I was thinking about my relationship with Melinda. Um, Some of you guys don't know, 19 years ago, Melinda and I, we met during the greeting time in church, which is why we will always have greeting time, because it just could be. If you're single here, that could be your moment. But the next day, um, I always went to the senior pastor's home for dinner. I was a single youth pastor and lived on junior whoppers. That's pretty much what I did. So one, one meal out of the week, they wanted to make sure I had something besides fast food. So I would go to their house. And so Melinda was there staying with the family. And I had a chance to have dinner together. And, uh, and then came kind of our first pre-date because I wanted to be with her, and I was trying to figure out, how do I do that? How do I try to make the moves without being too obvious? And I said, well, you're new to this area. We lived in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I said, yeah, there's some pretty great sites you got to see. So can I give you a tour of the city? She said, sure. So I went, and it was, it was actually getting kind of dark by the time we went to tour the city. But, but we, uh, we got in my car. We drove to Granddad Bluff. Anyone ever been to Granddad Bluff? Okay, a few more of you. Granite Bluff is a beautiful uh, bluff overlooking the entire valley there in La Crosse on Alaska. You can see the river. It's just beautiful. And so we went on some paths back there, and we went on a walk together. And as we did, it was almost like I heard the voice of angels, and it turned out it was actually a, a, a little guy who was playing um, a classical guitar in one of the caves. It was, it was it, like, it couldn't have been set up better. It was like this amazing experience where here we were walking in this restricted area. We went past anyways, and it was, it was just so much fun. I wanted to walk with her because I wanted to be with her. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that, you know, the next couple of days we continued to get together before she went back to Seattle, and we decided by that Thursday night we were going to date long distance. And that was the beginning of it. But really, some of those first moments were when we began to walk life together, literally on a path. And in the Bible, I was thinking about how in Genesis chapter 3, the very first time that we hear about this, let me read this passage for you. Genesis 3, 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, isn't that a cool little thought there? The cool breeze of the evening, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. See, I know sometimes, I mean, I'm guilty of it now too, but when Melinda says, let's go for a walk, one of the things I'm thinking is, oh good, I get to get a few more steps. I've got to get to 10,000. No, but that's not the point. When I know, I know when Melinda's saying, hey, let's go for a walk, it's not about the steps. 
It's about the connection. It's about being with each other. It's about walking the same direction, literally, side by side, hand in hand. And there are moments that happen on walks relationally that are so vital for our relationship together. And I'm thankful that God has the same desire for us. Enoch, two people in the Old Testament, Enoch talks about how Enoch walked with God. Isn't that a cool idea? He was in step with God. He was following after him. He was with God. And then Enoch was taken up to heaven with God and he was no more. I mean, that's, I, I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to walk with God. He's going he's gonna to zap me. No, no, I don't think that's the point. But then you had Noah. The other person in the Old Testament, Noah walked with God. He went all in. When God asked him to do things that had never been done before, like building an ark, he did it because he had this relationship with God. He trusted him. He was with him. And so as I was thinking about parallels to this and and how did Jesus explain this, this concept of being with God, what analogy did he use and, and I kept on coming back to John chapter 15. And that's really where I'm, I'm going to camp out for the rest of the message here is John chapter 15. It, it, because Jesus talks about this. Let me, let me just read this passage for you. Uh, I'm, John 15 verse 5. Jesus said that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Vines. I'm trying to get in my mind what this looks like. And um, I, I decided to do a little Google search on the biggest vine that I could find. Here's, I got an image here, the biggest vine that I could find. It's the Hampton Court Palace in London. Got that vine image up there? I saw it earlier today. Got that vine image? Okay, well, there is a big vine. And, and, and the vine is... is 13 feet around diameter. Right in the corner, if you, right over there, back behind the pillar, that's a huge vine. At the base, it's 13 feet around. And these vines run about 120 feet in length. And every year, not every year, but some of the bumper crop years, that one vine will produce over 845 gallons of, or not, not gallons, but uh, grapes. 845 pounds of grapes. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing to think of what can happen with one vine that is a powerful vine. But how many of you know, if, if you try to connect yourself to something that's not the true vine, you're not going to have much fruit. You're not going to have many great results. If you try to take your life and you dip it in a cup of water instead of really being grafted into this vine and, and cared for by this place where there's life-giving energy coming from, you're not going to experience much in your life. See, because like with my, 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 my iPhone, love my iPhone, but if you, if you have been to a conference, you know the hottest thing around at a conference is a recharge station. Because when you have your phone and you're going all day long and all night long, these things die at around 8 p.m. And it is, it's like this great piece of a hardware is useless without being connected. That's how you and I are. We're useless for our purpose that God has created us to be 
if we're not getting recharged by him, if we're not staying connected with him, if we are not taking time to make sure that we're being nurtured deep within, our life is not going to be as vibrant and as fruitful as we could possibly be. How do we know if we're being connected? What does our life look like if we're remaining connected to Jesus? Well, thankfully, the Bible tells us. Galatians 5. Many of you memorized these as a as a kid, the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these kind of things. So what I thought I'd do in the spirit of end of the year finals, I thought, let's do a little pop quiz. And, and, and let's, um, I'm just going to allow you to to mentally record this because I don't know if you want to write down these answers or not with your spouse or friend sitting next to you. So since you're a little closer together, I'm going to let you mentally do this. But um, I think we have a pop quiz. Pop quiz number one. Do we got a pop quiz? Okay, we may not have a pop quiz. We can do a mental pop quiz. Imagine it if you would. On a scale of one to ten, one being like not at all, five being pretty good, or uh, 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 10 being, man, I really got this down, okay? First one is this, love. How do you qualify on a scale of one to 10? And let me, let me help you out here. What I wanna do is I wanna give you some questions to help you think, what does it mean to be loving? In fact, John Ortberg, he's a great writer. He had had some questions that really helped me to think about this. How am I doing? When I say, yeah, I'm loving, how tender is my heart towards other people? How do you find yourself in the habit of serving other people? Do you ever find yourself critical or judgmental of others? So go ahead. Mentally put yourself on that scale. One to ten. I need help doing great. Or somewhere in the middle. Where are you at? The second question on the quiz would be joy. What's your irritability factor like? How easy do you get charged up? Do you find yourself complaining or do you find yourself giving thanks more often? You know, this past week, have you found yourself laughing often or is that pretty rare and far between? Are you the kind of person that can choose joy in the difficult seasons of life that you face? Number three, peace. Peace. Is your heart is your mind at rest with God? You know, how often are you, are, are you anxious? How often is your heart troubled? Where are you at? Are you known as someone who's, who's content? Or are you known as someone who's honestly pretty discontent? Patience. How do you figure out if you're patient? Good way. How do you respond when you don't get your own way? pretty easy to respond positively when you're calling the shots, but when things don't go your way, how do you handle it? How about this? How do you handle, this is for me, this is my, my area. How do you handle it when others are slower in line than you are? Oh man, that's, that's a tough one for me. <laughs> kindness, number five, kindness. Do you take time to notice people, to encourage them? Are you willing to give other people recognition when you know that you're not going to get the credit? Goodness. 
doing good, being someone who's generous. Some questions to think about is, what amount of your time and resources are you actually giving, not just thinking about giving to the poor, to God, to other people? Do you ever find yourself thinking, I'll just give the minimum amount of what's acceptable? Is your heart growing or is it shrinking? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. How do you describe faithfulness? Here's a good question. Is, would people around you say that you're dependable? Would those who, who know you best say, you're the kind of person who gets things done? Okay? Soon as you talk to someone, they think, man, that person can do it. They are faithful. Do you wrestle with procrastination? If so, that's something you got to check on. Gentleness. How well do you speak truth with grace? Do you ever say harsh words and you kind of enjoy it more than you should? Or self-control? Do you have any bad habits? Do you ever give in to an impulse? Man, at this point we go through this and we say, man, there's so many areas of life that it just, oh, it's just not right. Why am I not experiencing this 845-pound fruit coming from this vine that it's not happening? How do I get connected to the vine? How do I walk with God so that these, these characteristics are supposed to be flowing out of my life? See, some of us think that spiritual maturity is about how many verses in the Bible we've memorized. Or we think it's how many gold stars we've, connect, we've collected over our, our, our years of church attendance or those kind of things. That's not spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is all about having the fruit of the Spirit flowing out of our lives. That's what he's looking for. I just want to read this passage here out of the message paraphrase of what Jesus says. This is what it's like to be with Jesus. He says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. <coughs> Excuse me. You can't bear fruit. You can't bear fruit. Excuse me. Had a little bit of a cough today, so um, get, get past this. I'm the vine and you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, uh, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, I've loved you the way my Father has loved you. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and that your joy wholly mature. See, when we're connected to Jesus, it produces results. 
So how do you stay connected? Three things I want you to write down. First one is this. Number one, start your day with Jesus. Start your day with God. Now, I'm going to ask you to grab your phone right now. Grab your phone. Everyone got your phone? We're going to try something, and I'm not sure if it's going to work, but we're going to go for it. Uh, I want you to grab, we're going to do some texting in church, and and we're going to see if this works. And so um, if it doesn't work, um, it'll be embarrassing. So we're going to try. So what I decided to do is I want to see how you you guys know um, uh, a little bit of Bible facts here. So we have a, a texting quiz we're going to throw up on the screen here. And so what I want you to do is read the directions. You can text this. If you um, type in the, the number 22333, and then uh, once you're there, type in the word Woodbury because that'll help it to know which one we're at. Hit send, and then you'll get a little confirmation on your, on your cell phone that tells you, okay, you're in, you're part of the thing. And you know what? Uh, only the first 25 you get to do it because um, I'm doing the free version of this thing. I just want to try it out. So if... It may time out. But what I want you to do is go ahead and, uh, and respond. What do you think? A, uh, according to the Old Testament, when does the day actually begin? When the alarm goes off? Uh, when the alarm goes off for the fifth time? Or C, when Starbucks opens? Or D, at night? Go ahead and, and enter your response, and uh, we'll see what, uh, what, what you guys think. And we'll get a little bit of... Uh, it's, kind of it's kind of working. Hey, cool. Love it. We'll pause just for another uh, 30 seconds here, see what we get. Ah, hey, it actually kind of works. Way to go, guys. I was, I was afraid this wouldn't work. So anyway, okay, so it looks like you guys believe that, that according to the Old Testament, it is A, when the alarm goes off. That is, sorry, is incorrect. According to the Old Testament, the day actually begins the night before. When you go to bed, so all of you who said D, give yourselves a hand, congratulations, yeah. It begins at night. The Bible says this, <coughs> Genesis 1-5, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. The Sabbath always begins at night. See, what I love about this concept is that it reminds us that God is at work even while we're sleeping. I love this idea because it reminds us that getting ready for what we think of our day actually means we have to get ready to go to bed at night right. There's so many different ways that this plays into it. Um, Eugene Peterson said this. He said, thinking about night as the beginning of the day reminds us that everything doesn't depend on us. We go to sleep, but God is working all through the night. So we don't have to be anxious or rushed. When we wake up, we will simply join him in his, in his work. See, when you're living your life with God, it actually impacts how you sleep. Sleeping is, um, sleep deprivation really isn't a badge of honor. I know we kind of wear it like it is. How much sleep did you get? Oh, I just got like four hours. You know, it was pretty, I had, it was such a busy day. And we kind of say, yay, way to go, you're busy. The Bible says that he grants sleep to those he loves. That he wants us to recognize that he is providing for us, he is caring for us, and he wants us to have a good night rest. I was actually reading through some Department of Transportation studies that were done over the past years. 100,000 accidents every year happen because people are not sleeping enough and they're falling asleep while driving. 100,000 a year. That's a lot of accidents. In fact, medical research 
has in the past few years say that 70 million people have some sort of sleeping disorder in America. 70 million. I, that number kind of blew me away. That's a lot of people dealing with sleep issues at night. How do you get better at sleeping? You know, the um, Bible has a few things. I'll just mention a couple of them. Guys, if you're married or even if you're not, work at resolving conflict before you go to bed. Don't go to bed angry. When you go to bed angry, all you do is you sit there and you toss and you turn and you stew over what she said or what he said, or, and you can't get to sleep. Now, I, I got to give a little asterisk here because I've noticed that for myself, for Melinda and I, we really try to do this as good as we can. But there are moments when we just realize, we just have to say, okay, time out. I, I really need a nap. I, I can't even engage in this conversation right now because I'm not able to with energy that I want to have. And it's okay to go to sleep. But just realizing that you're not going to leave this thing unresolved. Bible says, don't let that anger continue while you're trying to go to sleep because it's going to wreck your sleep. Um, see, here's something else. When you wake up in the morning, invite Jesus to be part of your day, of your day with you. I have a friend who just said when he wakes up, the very first words that he says, he just says the word Jesus over and over. He'll say, Jesus, Jesus. Just helps him to center his mind on who matters most in his life, and it's Jesus. Before his feet ever hit the floor, uh, he's already thinking about Jesus. I love that. Now, I know there are two kinds of people in the world, and it's those who love to wake up in the morning and those who hate those who love to wake up in the morning. And and usually they're married to each other. I don't know why that is, but that's just usually how it works. Um, But the Bible is so clear. Do your best to realize that your day starts the night before. Your night impacts how you're going to be hitting the ground running the next day. And don't forget that. We're constantly, when you you start your life out with a decharged battery, when this thing is dead, if I forgot to plug it in, all day long I'm constantly looking for quick little power influxes because this thing is almost going to die all day long. But when you recharge at night and you're realizing that I'm making a decision even when I go to bed to make sure that I'm casting all my cares, all my anxieties on him because he can handle it all, you're in for a great start. So start your day, start your night, start your day with Jesus. Number two, listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. See, Many of you, maybe you got this the past few weeks. Maybe you got it on your way in today. But these May soap cards, the reason we hand these out isn't so you can have a bookmark. It's really more than that. Our goal is we want you to read the Bible. There's something that happens when you are engaged with God's word every day. The biggest change that could happen in our entire church is if every single person, every one of the 8,000 people who are currently calling River Valley home, if every person would take a few moments, it doesn't, doesn't take long to read two chapters, but to take a moment, read through those chapters and say, Lord, what one verse do you want to speak to my heart today? And ask them as you're reading and, and, then, and then go through this. It's actually right here. It's a, choose one scripture 
Observe what's happening in the context. Apply it to your life and pray. You can do that in, in just a few minutes. And if all of us would take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us every day, boy, think of all the divine encounters that would happen. What I found is that as I'm doing my soap, it seems like I run into people who need to know exactly the verse that I was praying about earlier that day because I was just sensitive to listening to God's voice. And it's not like this scary process. It's just simply praying and say, God, I want to become more like you. I want to be connected to you. Show me how this applies to my life. And so today we're reading through John chapter one and chapter two. If you're currently on the soap thing, you can go to a website. If you don't have this, if you're more digital like me, um, I think it's mydailysoap.com gives you the verses every single day. So if you're at if you're, if you're at the gym or if you're on a walk or if you're wherever you're at, you can just pull out your phone and, and you can decide, hey, I finished working out my body physically. Now I'm going to take a few minutes, sit here in the lobby and read and get connected spiritually to my heavenly father. You can do it anywhere. And no one even knows you're reading your Bible, which actually is probably a bad thing. But if you're scared of someone at work seeing you read your Bible, no one even knows. That's another issue we got to work on later. But, but you can do it anywhere, and you can connect to Jesus and allow him to speak to you. And realize that he's with you. How would your life be different if you realized that Jesus was actually with you all day long? As you're driving to work, would you maybe drive a little bit slower than what you were driving? Maybe, um, you know, maybe you would talk a little bit differently to the cars that are around you. If you knew Jesus was with you in the car, would it change what you're saying? Would it change how you're interacting with other people around you? You know, when you're making the business deal at work and you're talking to someone at the other end of the phone, what if you'd realize that the person on the other end of the line is someone that God cares for as well, that that person matters to God, just like you do. Maybe as you come home from work, you begin to think about the people that matter most to you, your family, people that are, you're going to connect with at night, and they're people that God has placed into your life, and you're, and you're realizing, how can, I, how can I care about them the way that God would want me to care about them? As you reflect over your day, Maybe there are going to be moments when you realize that God was creating some situations for you to bring life, words of life, and you missed it. And you're going to reflect and think, oh, tomorrow I want to do this differently. I want to follow after Jesus. See, we don't want to just talk about being connected to Jesus. We want to actually do what he asks us to do. John 15, verse 10, NIV says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. <coughs> Excuse me. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. See, now I, I have teenagers now in my house, and I know some of you have to imagine this, but sadly, I don't have to imagine this. What, what if you're telling your teenager to clean your room and the conversation didn't quite go like you intended? You know, what if... You, it was so clear, you'd try to tell your, your, your son, your daughter, hey, time to clean the room. And, and what if they came back and said, Dad, I, you know, I've memorized everything you've ever said about cleaning, your room, cleaning rooms. I have it all down pat. I can recite it any moment. So, Dad, I got a tattoo in Greek, which 
says clean. It reminds me to clean my room at all times. And I, and I did a word study. I did a word study on, on what it means in Greek. It means to clean with energy, with, 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 with life, and with purpose. Did you clean your room? Well, well, Dad, I got together with some friends of mine at Starbucks, and we have this group. We talk about how to clean our room and how, how much better life is with a clean room. We talk about it all the time. We love the idea of it. In fact, I've gone to a conference. We talked about clean cleanliness. It's next to godliness. We talked for hours and hours about it. Did you clean your room? See, some of us were so good at talking the talk, but never walking it out. We want to stay connected to our Heavenly Father. Do more than just talk about it. Do it. Last point is this. We need to be people who love like God loves. Love like Jesus loves. Jesus said, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. We've had a guys group that's been meeting. And one of the questions that came up in our study that has been impacting all of us has been, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? When I go through life and I want to act out and do what Jesus is asking me to do, what's my response? See, what, what I do, what many of us do, is we'll say, well, if that person loved me back in the right way, I'll love them back. What Jesus is saying, no, I have loved you. So you love other people. But God, they weren't nice to me. No, that's not the point. As I have loved you, so you love other people. See, what I love about Jesus is that as we talk about this idea of connecting with him, about walking with him, we can come to an end of a service like this. We can come to an end of a day this week and we can say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not connected with you. I wanted to. I had all these great intentions and then I ended up being more angry than I ever thought I'd be. I look back now and it's just silly. I didn't want to live that kind of way. Help me to get back in step with you. Help me to walk with you again. Help me to be connected to you again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I was so hurried throughout my day that I missed the very people that you had for me to connect with. I was so, I was so in a rush. I missed it. I'm looking back now and realizing, oh, there was a moment. There was a moment that I could have been a blessing into someone else's life. You wanted to use me. You wanted to make a difference through my life and impact someone else's life. You wanted to bring heaven down to earth in this small way, and I wasn't ready because I wasn't connected. Oh, guys, we got to realize that we have this opportunity. In the midst of the life we're going through, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the uncertainties of life, we have the opportunity to bring a bit of heaven down to earth as we connect with Jesus. And as we make what his will is in heaven released on this earth, I love this song that we sang about the edge of heaven. I love this song because it reminds us that that's why we're here. We're here to connect our world with our loving heavenly father. And they don't know how much he cares. They don't know how good he is, but they're going to see your life. 
And we have the opportunity to be connected to him so this world can see how much he cares about them, how much he loves them. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this, then I'm going to close in just a moment.